Draper City Talk is a podcast produced by the Municipal Government of Draper City, Utah, where we discuss local government services and issues and the community at large. Draper City, welcome to the Draper Talk podcast. I am Mayor Troy Walker, and I'm going to be leading our podcast discussion today, and I would like to introduce those that are here today that we're going to talk to. Most importantly, Linda Peterson, who is the Draper City Communications Director, and she's the one that's making sure it all works. So, Hello. Thank you, Linda. We're glad to have you, and great guest today, because we're, we're talking about something that should be on front of all of our minds, especially in the current drought situation that we have in the state of Utah. As, as, as I was taught by one of our guests or both of our, or a couple of our guests, Utah is the second driest state in the whole country. And so, um, yet we, we sometimes look, when you drive around Salt Lake or Draper or any other place, looks like we might not be the second driest state. We have lots of lawns and lots of things that use water. And water, that's what we're gonna talk about today. And we have some great guests. We have Brian Maxville, a Draper City employee. He is our senior not by age, but by experience, <laughs> engineer and manager over, over our waterworks in the city. I, I do deal with a lot of water assignments, yes. And then we also have Mr. David Gardner from WaterPro. David is a longtime WaterPro uh, director and manager and everything WaterPro. David, say hello. Um, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And David, your job at WaterPro, other than making water, what do you do? I'm assistant general manager, so I'm over the operations side and planning and water rights and legislative issues. Um, I've been there 44 years. I've seen the town uh, grow about 15 times in size since I started. So, David, you are the senior water pro guy <laughs> with 44 years. By far. Very good. <laughs> I got the others beaten by almost 20 years. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we're glad to have you as well. Then I, we, we don't want to leave out, last but not least, Alan Packard, Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District. And Jordan Valley is where we get the majority, if not all, of our water. Yes, thanks, Mayor. appreciate the invitation to join your podcast. I'm uh, an assistant general manager at Jordan Valley Water Conservancy District. I've been with the district over 30 years and Jordan Valley provides uh, water on a wholesale basis to most of the cities in the Salt Lake Valley with the exception of Sandy City and Salt Lake City and uh, we happen to provide Draper City with all of its culinary demands other than what is uh, the service area of water pearl. Outstanding. Um, and we're 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 going to talk today a little a lot about how water works. There are a lot of different cities that you know. There's some cities to the south. Um, I have a great relationship with the the Lehigh Mayor Mark Johnson, and they have some water restrictions in place in Lehigh City. And so we've had citizens call and say, "Hey, why don't we have you know water restrictions in Draper? Why are you not you know ordering people to do this or that with the with the water use?" And so this is going to be a great discussion because we're going to hopefully explain how it works and, and how water works for us specifically in Draper and maybe in general. Um, and we're, you know, we're fortunate in Utah to have people like David and, and, uh, and Alan that have been around a long time and Brian, especially in this water business. Uh, the people we really ought to take our hats off to 
is the people who planned the Central Utah Water Project way back when. Those were some visionary people. Without them, we would really be in a fix. So I always wanted to thank those people. I don't know who they all are, but they were, they were visionaries. And thankfully, we, we planned like that back then. Absolutely. So, all right, let's kick it off. Um, we're starting with Brian. Brian, first of all, we'd like, I'd like you to clarify, if you could, the role of the city of Draper, maybe the way WaterPro and Jordan Valley and South Valley Sewer and how all of it works together, providing water to drink and then taking care of it after we drink it. Great. Go Thanks. Ahead. So Draper City is definitely unique in that the city has two water providers within its municipal boundaries. Um, as Alan mentioned, Draper City has a, an area we provide drinking water to. Jordan Valley provides us 100% of our water that we use in that area. Water Pro provides the drinking water in the remainder of the city, and they do have their own sources and provide that service in that area. So in that sense, Draper is unique. Jordan Valley is the wholesale provider, so that's all of the drinking water that comes to us from you know, Jordan Valley's, and you mentioned the Central Utah Project, which is where a lot of the water comes. As you mentioned so delicately, South Valley Sewer takes all of the, the sanitary sewer, the, the flushing um, out of the city, and they take it to a treatment plant and treat it at that point. I always tell people when I talk, like at middle schools or wherever, I said, you know, some of the great important government functions, one of the great government functions is to get clean water to your tap, and maybe even more important after that is to get the brown water out of your house. And somewhere else, right? And so, yes. Um, and kids always can relate to that because they, you know, think about it. But those utilities, I mean, they're actually, you know, what make this a great place to live. It makes makes our society work. The, you know, just the ability to have clean water and, and handle our sewer. So, so as long as you turn on the tap and the water shows up, and then when you flush the toilet and it goes away, if if you're not worried beyond that, we must be doing our jobs well. Yeah, most people don't think about it, but uh, I'll tell you what: if it stopped one way or the other. I'll get the call as the mayor is in charge of the water, as I'm supposed to be in charge of everything. So, well, thank you for giving us that look. Tell us a little bit about, so sometimes there's confusion. Um, people may be in the water pro service area versus the Draper City service. So talk about how we, how we bill and what we're really doing. And maybe if you can talk about the areas where each, each provider works. Okay. So water pro, just as a very broad statement, provides water and is in the water service area of about two-thirds of Draper City's residents. Um, in essence, it's the area east of the freeway, down on the valley floor, a little bit up onto the benches. So, you know, downtown Draper, the historic Drapers, all water pro service areas. Um, they do bill their water separately. They do handle their own finances, those sorts of things. Uh, the city takes the areas west of I-15. We have a little bit around the edges, and we do take the Traverse Mountain, Suncrest, those developments there. Um, and that's where the city would bill your water, where the city provides the service. Um, that's just a, roughly about a third of the residents. Well, very good. That's, that's helpful because you know, folks that don't, they might live up on Suncrest, and they think, why am I getting a city bill, and then other people don't. A few years back, when I was a council member, um, we looked really seriously and in, in, at uh, at trying to develop our own water supply, and we we had some rights that we thought we could perfect. And David probably remembers <clears throat> this, and I know you do as well, Brian. We we looked we looked at a place where we thought we could maybe get a well 
and uh, it, it was on the other side of the mountain, so it was on the Utah County side. And I remember at the end of the day, to, to do this project, it, w- it was about $100 million, and it would save water in 30 years in the future. And no politician can, can justify the $100 million today to save water for someone you don't know yet. Yeah, and I would like to point out, Jordan Valley was an integral partner in that research and in that, uh, that analysis, and it did have a 30-year payback time, so it was a long-term idea that well, just didn't pan out. It might have been some good planning if we really were thinking for the future, but it's tough for those folks that would have had that massive uh, pay rate increase to really not benefit. Maybe their grandkids would have, but you know, we, we're still fortunate to have uh, Jordan Valley be able to continue to supply us. So tell us a little bit about the rate structure and, and how billing works. So I'll let uh, David Gardner talk about their rate structure um, in a minute or two, but Draper City does use it, what we call a tiered rate structure, meaning we uh, charge a certain amount for the beginning part of your bill, and then as you use more and more, um, that rate increases. We do have three zones, three billing zones, and each of those are at different rates. The differences between those rates is the amount of electricity that's used to pump the water up the hillside. So. Our rate, number one, is in the valley bottoms. There's no electrical surcharge to that. Then we get up to the benches, we add a little bit to it, and then when you get on top of, you know, up into the Suncrest neighborhoods and such, there's a fairly sizable increase, but that's due to the pumping costs that we have to deliver the water up on the island. And, and so the way it works, for if folks don't know, we, we have a couple of big pumping stations, a couple of very expensive and large pumps that send water to our tanks, which are up on top, and then... The tanks are what supply via gravity feed um, the folk, everybody's water up on Suncrest and down on the bench. Is that correct? correct. That's that exactly right? how it operates. And so I remember looking at a price on those pumps, and I, I think I want to say they're about a million dollars each. Does that sound right, or am I out? Um, the stations, when we upgrade the pumps, can approach a million dollars, but each individual pump is just a couple hundred thousand dollars. So cheap, just yeah, a couple just, hundred just a couple hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> But uh, you know, if you live if you live up on Suncrest and you you know you get the the beauty of the views and the cleaner air and all of that, you are paying more for water. But it's simply because we have to pump it up there. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. And with with all these partners in the mix, these great community partners, um, if new residents are confused about who provides service, we do have a map on the city website at DraperUtah.gov that um, differentiates that and also contact information for all the entities involved correct yeah and we just upgraded our website uh, last year so yes if you haven't gone on our website there's a lot of great information and it's really easy and cool to use right now so yes tell us a little bit about on the draper side emergency planning and response in a, in a situation if a pump goes down or we have a line break so we do have standby contracts with different contractors that if we say we have a line break that's too big for our crews to handle we can call them in on short notice and they would mobilize and help us to you know, repair the line, fix the road damage, whatever has to happen. So we do have those contracts there. Our crew is really well, really qualified and does really good work on their own. We do have equipment to repair our lines and such. We do have plans in place to be supportive to other agencies, other water providers. We are part of emergency groups we do have agreements with Water Pro, with Jordan Valley, to support each other in cases of emergency. What happens if one of the pumps goes out? How does that work? 
So the way that we run a pump station is, for example, we have one pump station with four pumps. The way that we have to operate that is we have to have one pump in a standby position, and it has to be the largest pump in the pump station that we don't depend on for regular delivery, and that's kind of as the backup. Then we can use the other three pumps to provide, typically it's the peak summer demand where we have to have all the pumps running except for the standby pump. And then if one of the duty pumps or the pumps that's operating fails, we do have that backup pump that's available to use it. And then obviously we're rushing to try and get the pump that's out of service repaired and replaced or ready to get back in. But it does take some time to do that. So during the peak, um, when people are watering their lawns in the summer, that's when we're running all three pumps. Correct. And that's when we take full advantage of our tank capacity to kind of equalize that through the day. And that's when we're spending the most on electricity, of course. Correct. Right. Because people are competing with the pumps to air condition their homes. Yeah, so you're trying to get your water and keep your house cool. So if you if you were to zero-scape your yard or uh, really cut down on your water use, could it feasibly drop the price? The more the pumps operate, the more the electric bill is, the more we pass that cost on to the users. So if we're not operating the pumps as much, then that, that cost wouldn't be there. Well, there you go, folks. If you're looking for a reason, it might... You know, you can, well, I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure uh, uh, Alan's going to talk about programs to do just what I said, which is change your landscaping. But think about, you might really be able to save money on, on your water bill. And, and I won't steal Alan's thunder, but it doesn't mean completely removing everything that's alive in your yard and just putting rocks in it. Right. I mean, you can still have grass. You can still have other plants. You just be smart about it, and you just be careful on how you water it. Right. Good. Okay. Thank you. Let's go to David Gardner from WaterPro. Um, David, um, tell us a little bit about your water sources and, and most importantly, what you think the outlook is. What's, what's the supply look like from WaterPro since you serve two-thirds of our city? Where are you getting your water and what does it look like for the future for getting water? We get the majority of our water from the canyons and then we have a water treatment plant on about 2600 East of Wasatch Boulevard. And we have seven canyons that we bring water into the to the treatment plant. We have four wells that uh, we can use, and then we get finished water and raw water from Jordan Valley. And we also bring some of our mountain water from Jordan Valley to use later in the year. So about uh, a third of our water can come from Jordan Valley in a typical year. We use about six thousand acre feet. And uh, one problem we have is we have no storage for the mountain water. So we have to rely on Jordan Valley in extreme droughts. We haven't been there yet that we haven't made enough water that we've had to ask for emergency supplies from Jordan Valley, but they have it set up so that can happen it has never happened so far. So far, we've been able to meet those needs. So even so, even with the kind of extreme drought situation we've had this year, we've, you haven't had to dip into your emergency plan um, for providing water? Yes. Very good. What's it look like in the future? Tell us what you think, the, what the, what's the supply outlook like? Where are we going? Well, that is a difficult question. Like, our irrigation water comes from Utah Lake, 
if it gets to a certain point, they cut us off. Uh, this year, there was still two more feet in the lake before they would cut us off. And a lot of that depends simply on the snowpack. If we do not get close to normal snowpack this year, we're going to have to ask for some severe conservation next year. If we get a normal year, we're looking good. And we're preparing for the future for this secondary system to start trying to bring water from shallow wells at the sewer treatment plant and also reuse water, which will greatly uh, give us greater reliability, not reliability, but be able to supply water even in drought years or algae blooms or if the Utah lake gets lower. So let's let's clarify this reuse water because this is a, you know it's a really nice way, sort of David of explaining what it is. But what it really is is it's taking the sewer water right and and making it usable again, which I, although it's kind of funny and gross, um, it's awesome that the technology is getting to the point where that's actually not only doable but doable economically. So tell us a little bit about you know how that would work. We are very fortunate that the sewer treatment plant is the highest technically advanced plant in Salt Lake County. It uses membrane technology, so the water that comes from the plant is a high enough quality to put into the secondary system. All the other treatment plants would have to build another plant after the sewer plant to treat the water which would almost double that cost. So that's a huge benefit to us. And that uh, that plant is at that technology. And we've been working hard on this. We have, we've already invested $2 million into the pipeline. We just got approved for a $22 million loan from the Division of Water Resources to keep this project going. We're hoping our goal is by 2023 to be pumping shallow well water and having that pipeline 100% complete uh, by the spring of 23. And by the spring of 25, we want to be pumping the recycled water or reuse water into that system, which will give us a tremendous ability to meet those needs, even in a severe drought, even a drought much worse this year. That, that's exciting. That, it, you know, that, that our South Valley sewer treatment plant is state state of the art. So that's great. We're we're fortunate to have those kind of resources coming together. Um, let's go, Alan. Let's get to you now and let you talk a little bit about your Jordan Valley. Um, again, you're, if you live in Draper, you're fortunate because our water is amazing. If you're, I, I'm a Water Pro customer. My water, it's it's you know it's the best I've ever. I don't even think about it. It's like you just drink it. You don't even, I go to my tap and it's not even a concern for me. I'm just, and you know, in Jordan Valley is the same. The quality of water we have in, in this valley, specifically our, our community is outstanding. So, so Alan, take a little bit, talk to us about a little bit about from your company's perspective, the drought impact, supply outlook, all that stuff. All right. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, this year, the, the drought has uh, really been, on the media forefront and uh, uh, 
Governor Cox has, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, Lehigh City has some pretty severe restrictions. And Jordan Valley has been supportive of Governor Cox's uh, statewide encouragement uh, to limit the number of outdoor irrigations uh, and to do everything we can to repair leaks so that we don't have any wasted water. We're happy to report that uh, it has made a difference in Jordan Valley service area. Our year-to-date deliveries to all of our wholesale customers is down as compared to last year is probably about 15% down. Uh, in August, uh, we had the help of a couple of nice rainstorms, but we were 31% lower in August than we were a year ago. And, and wow. Yeah, that's really substantial. Wow. And it's great to be able to save that water, essentially leave it in our upstream reservoirs so that it's useful for us next year. Uh, you mentioned earlier what a great project the, the Central Utah project has been, how visionary it was. And uh, Jordan Valley is the largest subscriber to the water stored in the Jordanale Reservoir, which is a big component of the Central Utah project. As far as the outlook for restrictions, as uh, Brian and David mentioned, it's, it's dependent upon how good of a snowpack we get this winter. If we have another below average snowpack, it's pretty likely that there will be continued call for restrictions. Jordan Valley has recently developed a drought contingency plan. It's in the final stages of approval from the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. And in that plan, we identify different drought levels and, and levels of water restrictions. But I could certainly see us calling for 10 to 20 percent restrictions next year if if we don't have a good snowpack. I mean, do you think we ever get to us? I mean, I kind of think we're headed that way. I think we smartly should maybe go this way, where you don't see a whole lot of lawn um, in residential areas. I know that's hard for some to hear, but if you go down like to Tucson or some areas that are, you know, um, and Arizona is much wetter than Utah. So, I mean, I, I spent a little time in Tucson this year, and there really aren't many folks that have grass in their yards. Yards are beautiful. I mean, you can landscape them nice. Maybe let's talk a little bit about that. Um, with respect to what can a Draper citizen do if they really want to be, they really want to be able to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I'm a water conserver. Tell us what they should do. Good. Thanks, Mayor. First of all, for, for current residents, current homeowners, we'd recommend that they go to the website utahwatersavers.com. And on that website, uh, there's a number of different programs available from rebates for installing smart irrigation controllers, uh, toilet rebates to install new uh, water-efficient toilets, then a couple of Jordan Valley programs we call Flip Your Strip, and another one's called Local Scapes Rewards. Both of those involve providing a rebate for removal of turf. And uh, there's a lot of water savings that can be had if we do strategically remove turf from where it's really not serving much of a function. Another important uh, program that Jordan Valley is implementing is we've adopted water efficiency standards applied to new construction. 
And those efficiency standards would limit the amount of turf grass that can be put on new homes or new commercial businesses, their new construction. Uh, the standards include that there wouldn't be any grass in park strips. There can be other landscaping and bushes, shrubs, uh, mulch, trees, that's encouraged. And there'd be a limitation on the amount of grass to no more than 35% in a front and side yard of a residential setting and no more than 20% grass in a commercial setting. So that's, that's exciting. We're, we're, we're headed the right direction. I think, Linda, what we might need to do in Draper City is have a little contest oh. of, of people who have flipped their strip, and we could get some of our own local ideas. I started the process in my yard, and I used to be able to work pretty hard with the shovel. i got to tell you, that flipping of the strip was about flipping me. <laughs> um, but I'm, I've got the grass out now, and I'm just getting ready this weekend to start putting in drip irrigation for the plants I'm going to put in. But I think we got to look into doing something like that. I've seen, as I've driven around since I'm doing it, I've seen some Draper citizens have done some amazing re-landscaping you know, re of their yards in a water-wise way. It would be kind of cool if we could do a maybe a water-wise uh, yard of the month or something going yeah. forward, if we can just start to encourage. Um, I think the more conservation we do, the better off we are. So you and David say we need an average snow year in order to not really get into some more extreme conditions. So I hope you guys are both right. Um, listen, this has I been think a, a contest is the great, a great idea, and you're going to have photos that we're going to share on the mayor's Facebook page of the mayor's own process of flipping his strip. Oh, so great. I'm excited yeah. to see Perfect. the start and finish. Now, now the pressure's on to do something really good. <laughs> now um, you got to finish it. And I hate yard work. I just want to lay that out there. Um, but my wife loves a nice yard, so yeah. she's actually the worker in my house when it comes to yard work. She's going to make sure our yard look good. But I, I thank you guys all for coming. David, thank you for giving us your time as well. So, Draper, um, we, you've got some great information now about how we do water, where it comes from, what it looks like for the future, and we've given you some links, Jordan Valley's uh, website, our website, so you can figure out what to do. So, thank you. I think uh, one thing that comes up a lot uh, dealing with social media and communities is rumors about water contamination. And um, if if you could address real quick, uh, David, your water testing processes and water quality reporting. I know that we post that information on the city website, but I think that would be good for people to know. You bet. In our water system, we're constantly testing. We take 30 bacteria samples, which have to be spread all over the community as a requirement, and we take an additional 20 just to be sure that to give us more assurance, we take 100 chlorine samples every month through the system. We test all of our sources annually and quarterly. We test for nitrates and a couple other contaminants. One of them is THMs, which is kind of a byproduct. So one thing people don't realize is that your drinking water has certain standards. When you buy bottled water, there is no guarantee of those standards. A lot of bottled water is just city water that's bottled. And so yeah, American Water Works is trying to educate people that you're safer to drink the water out of your tap than you are to go down and buy a bottle of water from the convenience store. 
well, I'm ticked now. Uh, <laughs> That's really I'm gonna, interesting. I'm going to start filling my bottles with the tap in. Thanks, Dave. Um, well, thank you guys. You thank really you all. Encourage that. And one thing that's really great, our sources for water pro are mountain streams where there's no roads, there's no access up to those. You know, like, and Jordan Valley, they are very conscientious and uh, we get our water from these streams. And so it's not like back in the east where every town takes water on the upstream of their town from the river and then on the downstream they dump the sewer. Then the next town takes the water out of the river. So each town down the thing, there's a higher concentration of sewer effluent. So it makes me proud of the quality we have. And one thing, Jordan Valley actually submitted a sample of our mountain water to a water testing. And Alan, did it get first place or second place nationally? That one I took. Do you remember? I think it took second place nationally, but we we frequently enter samples into the water taste sets, and we're always amongst the winners. Dave, nice. you you've lent credence to the old saying: "Paydays on Friday, and uh, sewer flows downhill." <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, you guys. Yeah, thank um, you. Well, hopefully, uh, we've we've done a little bit of education and, and given you some places to get a little more information about what we have. We're lucky. We have great water. We have great water companies and managers and planners, even yeah. ones that went before us. So thank you all. For timely information on city news, events, traffic alerts, and public safety emergencies, you may subscribe to email or text notifications from Draper City by visiting draperutah.gov forward slash notify or follow us on social media at Draper City Utah on Facebook and at Draper City on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This has been Draper City Talk. Please join us again.